the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The soggy remains of Alberto spreading rain deeper into the nation's midsection after downing trees, triggering power outages, and scattered flooding around the south. Dow futures are up 103 points, and this is SRN News. See, those Christians, and I say this again, who if you've been blessed with more money than most, you need to under, understand exactly what the Corinthians needed to understand. And it's this. The reason God has blessed you is not to make you a wealthy man or woman so that you hoard it and you just accumulate more and more things. It's not to selfishly consume it upon yourselves. Yes, spend and enjoy it. And, and as I said, don't feel guilty about it. It's all right. But it's not your money. It's God's money. Indeed, it is all God's. The universe and everything in it, including us, and what we like to think of as our money, it all belongs to the Lord. Isn't it fantastic that He gives us so much freedom with it? But if we're going to spend, invest, and give it wisely, we need to know what God said about it. And He said a lot in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As he proceeds verse by verse through the Bible in his teaching, he inevitably comes to passages that some pastors would like to skip. Good pastors feel uncomfortable teaching on money because false teachers love to teach on it so they can manipulate people into giving more. Well, we can't ignore this major topic just because some people abuse it. In fact, their abuse makes accurate teaching all the more important. Sometimes, as we discussed in the last broadcast, we may feel like our generosity is making those on the receiving end better off than those on the giving end. But it's not supposed to work like that. 2 Corinthians 8.13 says that we don't give for the ease of others. God has blessed some of us more than others, not so we can hang on to it or so that we can feel obligated to give it all away. But we do need to learn how and when to give and not to be conceited about our wealth. Well, that is precisely what Scripture addresses, and it addresses this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I don't know of any two verses that are more pointed than this about dealing with those who are wealthy and putting it into balance. And, and notice what Paul says. He tells Timothy in chapter 6, 1 Timothy six seventeen, instruct those who are rich in this present world. So you know exactly who he's addressing. Those who are rich in this present world. There, there are those who are rich, believers who are rich in this present world. It's all right. He says, not to be conceited. Don't think you're better than others because you have money. It's precisely what he's saying. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't put your trust in the stock market, in real estate, in your business ventures. Don't do that. But on God, 
Why is your hope and faith to be in God? Because God, he says, is the one who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now, that's a very important statement at the end of this verse. God is the one who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. There are times when those who are Christians who have uh, more money than others can tend to feel guilty. Like, should I be enjoying this while, while others don't have? Sure, enjoy it. That's what the scripture says. It's all right to enjoy your money. You don't have to feel guilty about it. You buy something for yourself. You don't need to feel like it's a sin. It's wrong. I can't enjoy this. God has given you the money to enjoy. However, however, you're not only to spend it upon yourself. And that's what verse 18 says. Yes, enjoy what you have, but don't hoard it. Don't be self-centered with your money. Verse 18, instruct them. Here's what you do. Instruct them, Timothy, to do good, and he clarifies, what do you mean by doing good? To be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's the balance. Don't be conceited. Don't think you're better than somebody who is on a financial, in a financial class lower than you. Don't think that you're better than them. Enjoy what you have, but share it. Be generous. And if, if God keeps blessing you, then just that's fine. That's his plan for your life. Now, someone may say, but you know what, uh, Steve, I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to hold it all to myself. But there's always a but there. But if I do what you say, and if, and if I give to the poor in the church, they might take advantage of me. And others, they might sponge off of me. They might think, you know what, this is a license to be slothful and lazy. Why should I work when others will just help me? I mean, there's all kinds of things on that. You know, that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, that's a, a valid thought, and we should not do that. But in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul addressed this. Paul understood human nature far better than any of us understand it. And Paul said, for even when we were with you, this is 2 Thessalonians 3.10, we used to give you this order. I mean, this is an order. This is a command. If anyone is not willing to work, doesn't mean he can't find work, but he's not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. In other words, we are not to take care of somebody who refuses to work. We're not creating a little welfare state within the church of people who just are freeloaders and can be lazy about it. That's not what the word of God teaches. See, virtuous giving marked by integrity means that you help those people with needs who have done all they can to meet their needs. But because of, of extenuating circumstances, whatever it might be, they can't. They fall short. No one in the church of God's people should ever be hungry or not pay their be able to pay their rent or the necessities of life. But this certainly does not mean that we're obligated to help those who are poor due to their own laziness. If they're lazy, they're going to suffer the consequences of being lazy. And when they get hungry enough, they'll go get a job. That's what the scripture teaches. But listen, even though there are slothful believers who might try to sponge off of wealthier believers and it really, even though that does take place at times, it does not change or alleviate our responsibility to give to help the poor. Because the New Testament is filled, it's just loaded with statements and illustrations about how we, by our giving, are to balance out resources within the body of Christ. And let me, let me take you to a few of those. You should mark this down, these down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. 
Paul writes, he who steals must steal no longer. So here's, a, here's an individual who before he was a Christian was a crook. He stole. He stole. Now he's become a Christian, and you know what? He tends to take that baggage into the Christian life, and he's still stealing. Paul says, no, no, that's not what you're to do. As a believer, you put off that behavior. You don't steal anymore. Instead, what you do, he said, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. And here, here, here's why. Work hard. Don't take from other people, but work hard so that you will have some something to share with the one who has need. Instead of taking from people, now work hard so you give to people. You give to people. That's a marvelous truth. That's one of the reasons we work hard. We take care of our own needs. We take care of our family's needs, but we work hard so we can take care of others, especially those in the body of Christ. And in fact, you may be wondering, well, should, should we help only Christians? No, but Christians are our priority. Galatians tells us this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. The apostle writes to the church at, uh, church at Galatia, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So that means that it's not just believers that we can help. It's not just the poor. We can help all people. We should help where we can. However, he says, and especially those who are of the household of the faith, meaning that Christians are your priority. You know why? Because nobody else in the world is helping Christians. The world can help the world, and they do. And there's all kinds of charitable things that they do. But as far as ministry is concerned, as far as Christians are concerned, the world doesn't care. We're the ones who ought to care. So if you have to make a choice as to who you're going to help, Paul says especially believers. Because why? We're the household of faith. We're family. Family takes care of other family members. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 addresses this even more pointedly. John says in 1 John three seventeen, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother, meaning your Christian brother, in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, all of us at times blow it. All of us at times have been insensitive and there have been needs and we haven't met it. But if that is characteristic of your life and you have no compassion for, for Christians who are hurting, and you, you never do anything to minister to them, John says that you're not a believer. It's one of those questions that, that sort of demands when he says, how can the love of God abide in him? The answer is it can't. When God's love abides in you, you will minister to others. You will be compassionate and sensitive and not hoard your own money. The best illustration of this, though, is Acts chapter 2, the church at Jerusalem. This is the very church we've been talking about. The Corinthians were taking money for them. Notice how they lived. Now, remember, this was the persecuted church. These were people who were probably experiencing uh, a boycott on their businesses for being believers, ostracized by family members. Some of them didn't have places to go back home to. And so they stayed together in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 44 of Acts 2, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling. Look at this. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. That's tremendous. The wealthy in that church began to sell their real estate and they began to give their possessions. And if someone had need, it went right to them. Folks, that's, that's what Paul is talking about. And this wasn't just an isolated incident. This continued because in chapter 4, Beginning at verse 32, he says, And the congregation 
of those who believed, same church, Jerusalem, were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power and the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. That's the way it's supposed to be. Why? For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had needs. Now, folks, this is biblical Christianity. This is the way it's supposed to be. They sold their property. They sold their possessions. The wealthy gave to the poor. Now, if you follow that and you take it to its conclusion, then you must know what happened inevitably. It means eventually the resources ran dry. There's only so much property to sell, only so many houses to sell, only so many possessions to to go around, only so much money that existed in that church. Eventually, all the wealthy people became what? Poor. They all became poor didn't have any more. And that's when Paul turned to the Gentile churches of which the church at Corinth was part of that. And he requested that they step in and be used of God to meet the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. That, that's exactly what he's teaching here. That's the big picture. Those believers in Jerusalem already did that, but they became poor. So now you have an entirely poor church. And the point is, is that God desires economic balance within the church and he accomplishes it by Christians who have a surplus, giving some of that surplus to those who have absolutely no surplus. That's the point. See, those Christians, and I say this again, who if you've been blessed with more money than most, you need to understand exactly what the Corinthians needed to understand. And it's this, the reason God has blessed you is not to make you a wealthy man or woman so that you hoard it. And you just accumulate more and more things. It's not to selfishly consume it upon yourselves. Yes, spend and enjoy it. And and as I said, don't feel guilty about it. It's all right. But it's not your money. It's God's money. It's his resources. And God's plan is that you use some of the money that he's given you to share with others. If it were your money, then do whatever you want with it. It's not your money. It's God's money. And God says in his word, share it with others, because not everybody have I given that money too. And you know what happens? You know why this is so important that you understand this and obey it? And, and all of us, not just those who have a surplus, but those who at this time in their lives have no surplus because in the future, the tables could be turned. You could have a need. And you'll hope at that time that those who have a surplus will give to you. Do unto others as you hope they'll do to you. And this is what verse 14 says. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that there may be equality. What a tremendous statement. What he's saying is, is this, even though you Corinthians right now are economically comfortable, that's your present status. Down the road, you know what? Things could change. You never know. You could be persecuted and lose it all. And you might be in the position of being poor. And things could turn around for those in the church at Jerusalem. And they could be the ones with the surplus of money. And then it would be the Jewish brethren's turn to supply the needs of the Gentile Corinthians. You see, for us, nobody knows what the future holds except God. You don't know economically how things will be tomorrow. 
The stock market is fragile. The economy fragile. If we go to war with Iraq, there'll be other economic woes. You, you could lose your health tomorrow. You can lose your job tomorrow. Your business could crumble. You and I don't know what will happen tomorrow. But if that happens, and you may lose it all, you sure will hope that, that those who have a surplus will know this passage of Scripture and obey it and help your needs. See, this is the way God levels out resources in the body of Christ. Those who have more than they need should share with those who have less than they need. That's God's plan. That's integrity. Nobody's trying to get rich off of other people, but we want to minister to them. At times, you will be the one who will give, and at times, you will be the one who will receive. But this is the way God distributes provisions so that everyone in the body should have their need met. And you know what? He illustrates this in verse 15. This is, this is wonderful. Verse 15, Paul says, as it is written, and when you see as it is written, it means that he's quoting from the Old Testament. This is a statement from Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have much, and he who gathered little had no Lack. Now, Paul is illustrating this is the, this is a timeless principle. God used it in the Old Testament. He uses it in the New Testament. It's just a timeless truth. And this is a statement, as I said, taken from Exodus and is the story of when the ancient Israelites, uh, gathered their food from heaven called manna. Meaning, what is it? Because nobody knew really what it was. They gathered their food from heaven each morning. And what they did was they, they pooled everything together at that point, they, and it was measured out so that everyone had what they needed. Because what happens in this, in the context, we won't take the time to look at Exodus chapter uh, uh, 16, but what happened was that inevitably you had uh, some picking up that manner. They were, they were sort of like little fine layer-like thin wafers, Nobody knows exactly what they were like because it was a supernatural thing that God did in the morning and then it evaporated as the sun came out. But these uh, these wafers were on the, the ground and some, because they're strong and, and young men, could pick up a lot more than those who were older and, and weaker. So you had some taking more, some taking less. But when they brought it all together, it was measured out so that everybody had exactly what they needed. And that's what that's what Paul is is talking about. In the end, no one had any more than they needed, and no one had any less than they needed. Why? Because that's how God operates. That's how God operates. That's how the children of Israel were fed each morning, day after day, in the wilderness. And Paul's point is this. Though some of us may have more than others, and and we do. Some have more than others, some have less. God's plan, though, is to use our abundance to meet the needs of others so that in the end, everybody has their needs met. Now let's bow for prayer. And obviously this is not the kind of message you can just walk away from and fail to step in and do something. Question is, as we're quiet before the Lord is, what what does he want you to do? I, I would never tell you what to do with your money, but the word of God tells you that you must do something. What is it? If you're going to give with integrity, it must begin with a recognition, right, that it all belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It's not yours. 
I hope that as we're still, we're quiet before the Lord, I hope that you really believe that, that what you have is, is not yours. It comes from God, it belongs to God, and therefore he has a right to tell you how to use his money. And he's told us here to share with others who don't have much. So how sensitive are you to the need of the poor and those who have no surplus? How much do you think about the sufferings of others? How sensitive are you to people in our own church who are hurting? Do you give to the benevolent fund? How about our missionaries? We're taking love offerings for our missionaries these days. They don't have much money. They're, they're on the field because others give. Do you give to missions? Would you give to them? How about your weekly giving at, at Lakeside? Would you give so that God uses what you give to balance out what some others don't give? So that we might all benefit. That's, that's all part of it. Do you give in the benevolent fund? Do you give in other areas? There are all kinds of needs coming up, all kinds of needs you're exposed to. How sensitive are you? Do you, do you love others enough in the body of Christ to share with them what you have? This is how the early church was. And the result, we didn't read all of this, but in Acts chapter 2, it says that people were added to the church day by day, which means they became saved. Why? Because they saw the reality of Christ's love in the lives of the people. They saw, my, how they love one another. They would give, that they would, that they would give everything until they actually had nothing. Do they see that in us? Does our community see that at Lakeside, that we love one another enough that we just give and keep on giving? That's really the way that we demonstrate Christ, the reality of Christ. If you're not a believer and you've seen that in the lives of other believers, that's because Jesus is working in their life. Their life does not belong to themselves, but to Christ. And I would be remiss if I didn't say this, that if you don't know Christ, understand he gave his life for you. He's given everything, and we certainly want to urge you to trust him for salvation. But this is a message really for believers and, and the issue is, what, what are you going to do about this? Will you give? Will you be generous? Will you be thoughtful of others? Will you see God's plan is to level out balances, resources in the body of Christ? I'll give you a few moments to talk to the Lord about this, make some decisions, and then we'll close. Father, help us to see clearly how we fit into these truths, how they apply to us, Lord. This is not simply for the ancient Corinthians, but for us. For those of us alive at this point in history, Lord, help us to obey these truths, to be thoughtful and sensitive to others. Lord, no one should ever in the body of Christ have needs that are not met by us. I pray for those who have surplus, and as I said, Lord, that would include all of us, certainly includes the vast majority of us. I pray that you would help us to see things clearly, to be thoughtful and sensitive to others, not to hoard things ourselves. I also pray that you would help us to enjoy what you've given us and to not go to an extreme of thinking that we have to feel guilty about spending for ourselves. Lord, help us to have that balance so that we might be used of you 
to minister to others. Lord, may we not love money. May we not love things. We know that, that everything, Lord, eventually is going to be burned up. So help us not to hold on to anything with a tight fist. Teach us these truths in our hearts, Lord. And for those who don't know you, teach them how much Christ has given in dying for their sin, that they might repent of their sin and turn to the Savior for salvation. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. When we hold on to a rope too tightly and a stronger force pulls that rope out of our hand, we get rope burns, don't we? And they hurt. Since it's all God's anyway, we would be wise to hold it loosely in case he has some other use for it, whether it's our time, our stuff, or our money. I'm glad you could be here with us today for Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more information about Lakeside, including service times and directions, call the office at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. That's 727-441-1714 or lakesidechapel.com. If you'd like to explore our audio library, that's available at no charge at versebyverseradio.org. Click the message archive link. This is Jerry Peterson. In his book, Getting the Church on Target, Lloyd Perry said this about giving in reference to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He said it's church-centered, it blesses others, it's from the heart, it blessed the giver, it's proportionate, it glorifies God, and it's handled honestly. Well, so far we've touched on most of those areas. On the next Verse by Verse... We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.